MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. Some of our very own staff members at DNVR are taking classes at MSU Denver online this summer. If you're not living that college experience at other institutions due to COVID restrictions, then MSU Denver Online is an amazing opportunity that you should take advantage of. Um, like I said, we have two of our very own at DMVR taking those online courses right now, Allie Monroy and Harrison Wind. You can reach out to them with any preliminary questions you may have, and they've said that this has been one of the best learning experiences of their lives. Harrison has really really been excited about how engaged the teachers are and how responsive they are to emails and questions and concerns. He's also been impressed because those professors actually work in the same fields that they're teaching in. And that means that you're getting real world information that'll actually help you after you graduate. And it isn't all just, uh, as he put it, bullshit fodder. Uh, so you can go to msudenver.com slash online to get more information and uh, get up to speed about what you're missing out on if you aren't enrolled in classes at MSU Denver online. Welcome in to the DMVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app in the United States. Um, right now is a great time to be betting with the UFC still going. This is a big weekend coming up. But of course, we here are all football fans and there's a lot of action we can get in on. Uh, yesterday, Dre and I uh, actually made some money because of DJ Chark's injury. Uh, mm -hmm. because DraftKings had set the line at two and a half catches, I think over under 33 and a half yards. Um, and that was for LaVisca Chenault. But then DJ Chark was out. And since we were paying attention, like good football fans, uh, there was about a 15 minute period where you could jump in and get those boosted lines for Visca before they took them down and replaced them. Uh, so many fun things you can do there. Get on DraftKings Sportsbook and uh, start betting. Okay. Uh, I am Henry Chisholm, and I'm joined by Andre Simone and Jake Schwanitz, uh, as always. And today, uh, we have a lot of things to talk about, like the SEC coming back. We saw a really exciting quarterback matchup last week that I'm excited to talk about, plus a bunch of other things happened, too. Uh, but before we jump into that, we did want to uh, have a little bit different conversation um, because the Broncos are giving us an opportunity to have this conversation. The Broncos are 0-2, uh, obviously among the worst records in the NFL, and that means that they're right in the running for the number one overall pick. So the question is, if the Broncos do have the number one pick, do you take Trevor Lawrence? I mean, <clears throat> this is the question I slyly posed to some of our colleagues in the office a couple days ago is, would you rather – Dak Prescott and Tyron Smith. So, you know, a guy who led the NFL in passing yards uh, a year ago, uh, a 
easily a top 10 quarterback in the league, borderline top five, and one of the three best left tackles in the entire NFL um, over the past decade, uh, almost a generational talent at the second most important um, position on offense, or would you rather Patrick Mahomes? So uh, Dak Prescott and Tyron Smith or Patrick Mahomes, and basically everyone without even thinking for half a second said Patrick Mahomes. And I think, you know, the Broncos have a really unique opportunity with the talent they have on this team. Um, and they've shown it even in this early part of the season to be, you know, a, a friend of mine compared it a bit to uh, the the San Antonio Spurs when um, <clears throat> Robinson gets hurt and then they get the first overall pick in the Tim Duncan draft and then become a dynasty for 15 years because, you know, if not for that injury, they had no business adding a talent like Tim Duncan. And whether the Broncos have the first pick, the second pick, the third pick, the top five pick, they're going to land really well, especially if they could get a generational talent in Penny Sewell or Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence just has the edge between because he's, he's Patrick Mahomes in this scenario. He could really create, you know, a division where – um, you have the the Brady and Manning of this generation duking it out twice in uh, the regular season and maybe once in the playoffs every single year, and it would be just fantastic. Yeah, um, look, I'm a lock fan. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat this, though. You don't pass up the opportunity to pick Trevor Lawrence. Um, yep. I mean, just go back a couple years ago, we saw the Arizona Cardinals uh, a bit more extreme situation, but they sold on Josh Rosen after a year and got Kyler Murray. You think they regret that decision right now? Right. Um, I mean, if you have the chance to upgrade at quarterback, the most important position in sports, you have to just jump at the chance. You can't just let that pass you by. Uh, I think this is pretty easy. You have to go with the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm right there with you because, I mean, it, it isn't even a conversation. If you have the opportunity to take somebody like that, you do it. You know, the last time, I'm not sure this is totally true, but typically it's, it's once every five years maybe that you get a quarterback prospect that's this, that's this hyped up. Maybe you could say that there were a couple guys between uh, now and Andrew Luck that have come through. But I think that you could make the argument that Andrew Luck was like the last huge mm-hmm. prospect to come out of college football. And look what happened. The Colts got rid of Peyton Manning to get him and sure Peyton was old and injured and all that kind of stuff but when they had the opportunity to take Andrew Luck who I think we all agree is probably a worse prospect at this point like Trevor Lawrence has ascended into like that god tier of prospects like guys that just don't even make sense so if they were willing to move on from Peyton Manning for Andrew Luck I think you have to be willing to move on from Drew Luck for Trevor Lawrence yeah yeah it's really true and I mean the throws that Trevor's been making even in these first couple weeks have just been absurd. He he just yeah. puts throws on a rope. He leads his wide receivers perfectly, just like perfect touch, perfect ball placement on these 40-yard dimes where it wouldn't matter what defense he's playing against. He could be uh playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers or the like Division 2 Citadel that they've been you know, beaten up on thus far and their completions, no matter who he's playing against. And he can do it, you know, on the run off awkward platforms, his just athletic talent, his arm talent is off the charts, off the charts. So yeah, you couldn't pass him up and Penny Sewell would be quite, quite, quite the consolation prize. I'll tell you that much. 
and that's yeah. that was my next question is you know let's say they don't get number one overall because that is an obvious choice let's say they get number two overall and those are your options Penny Sewell or Justin Fields another yeah. great quarterback prospect who I'd be really excited about but when you have a Drew Locke and we've actually right now they don't have a Drew Locke because he got hurt because Elijah Wilkinson got beat you need the offensive line help. It's pretty obvious. Do you go with Justin Fields or do you go with Penny Sewell? Oh, man. I mean, it's tough to say. That's so really tough. tough because, I mean, Justin Fields is good. I'm not trying to, like, diss on his game at all. Oh, but no. <laughs> Penny Sewell is yeah. an absolute monster at left yeah. tackle. And, look, I know Locke has kind of dealing with some – obviously the injuries have kind of crept up in his career, and you're still – we're still not really sure what he is. Um, you know, we have a pretty good idea, I think, but we still haven't exactly learned who he is as a player. So I think you still kind of bet on Locke and that potential that he has, uh, especially now with the great left tackle. Um, also, I think it's worth saying that, I mean, Trey Lance would probably be in the conversation too. I mean – I don't know if he's going to be able to – I don't know what the situation is with North Dakota State, if he'll be able to play. But you could be looking at three quarterbacks in the top five again this year. Yeah. And if the Broncos have a top five pick, I mean, it ain't out of the question, man. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's the crazy thing. But the beauty is we will get – Locke will really be able to determine whether or not it's him or Justin Fields, right? True. Like True. the field will determine that. And Justin Fields, because we will be able to see him play football again, one of the biggest advocates to get Big Ten football back um, was, in fact, Justin Fields. So we'll get to see him. And, Henry, let's allow this to segue into the return of Pac-12 football. I get to see Penny Sewell yeah. play again. Yes, <laughs> well, thank you. We have to hold our horses I know, Penny I know. Sewell. He opted out. We don't know if he's going to opt back in. But Come we're going on. to get Pac-12 returning. football. I think, I think so. I think have so. Faith. I think he's he returning. just has so much of an opportunity, especially yes. because, you know, we don't know what the college football playoff committee is going to do. Like, this is going to be such a tough year for them. Yeah. You know, first of all, like, you have some conferences playing 10 games. You have the Pac-12 playing six games. You have some teams in the 10-game conferences who are actually playing five games because they can't get their games in. You know, Notre Dame, very much in the conversation. They're not playing this week. How many cancellations can they withstand and still be in the conversation? Yeah. You know, nobody knows what they're looking for. Is it just going to be pure eye test when you're on the field? Is it going to be, like, you need to have a certain number of wins? It's going to be chaos, and I know a bunch of fan bases are going to be mad, but because the door is so wide open, a team like Oregon is right in it. I mean, sure, they lose Justin Herbert, but they didn't even use him last year. I mean, it was all about the running game yeah. anyway. Yeah. C.J. Verdell, who I'm really excited to C. see. C.J. Verdell, baby, let's uh, go. whole offensive line. You know, Penny Sewell, just sticking with Oregon, and these Buffs fans are going to hate how excited I am to see Oregon, but the linebackers, sure, Troy Dye's gone. But now they have Noah Sewell as a true freshman, Penny's little brother. They have Justin Flo, the only inside linebacker in the entire country who's rated higher as a high school prospect than Penny's or than Noah Sewell. Mm -hmm. It's going to be so much fun to watch. And that's before you start getting into the best secondary in college football, for my money. Um, yeah. Or the know. top I'm recruited defensive end who played very well as a true freshman last year at yeah. Oregon as well. So, no, it's. Mm -hmm. uh, it's exciting that now we basically get all the top dogs back. You're right. Hold your horses. We'll see what Penny does. But if I know Penny Sewell the way I think I know Penny Sewell, 
<laughs> that guy's not missing out on playing some football this this uh, fall for sure. You know, um, let's let's just expand this Broncos conversation just one more time. I'm curious. Let's say no Penny Sewell, no quarterbacks. Who who did, who would you pick? Hmm. That now that's where this class gets really interesting, because if I'm looking at my board, the next tier is wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think for the first time in <laughs> a decade, we can say, no, wide receivers were probably good on for now, guys. Okay, like hold your horses. Um, so then I think you're looking at secondary help where Patrick Sertain, the cornerback out of Bama, who, uh, you know, I, I remember as a true freshman, him playing and uh, it, on the same podcast, AJ arguing that he was Bama's best cornerback. That's when they had, you know, Xavier McKinney was on in that secondary uh, Marlon Humphrey was probably still there. Uh, Diggs was still there. So, you know, high praise. He's been a stud for years. Sean Wade, obviously another consideration, a guy who seems um, made to a T for a Fanjo type um, secondary because of his versatility. You've got some great options in Micah Parsons and Dylan Moses. But where I think it'd be really interesting is the edge rusher talk. And what what do we do with Vaughn? How does Chubb progress? Um, as the year continues, how do they feel about Atachu? You know, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if for the third time in the Elway era with a top 10 pick, they went after yet another edge rusher. Yeah, and there's a couple tackles as well. I mean, you got Walker Little at Stanford. You also have Samuel Cosme at Texas. Um, yeah. I don't know if Jackson Carmen at Clemson can be able to make that jump into the yep. top 5, 10 in ter- uh, territory. But there's still going to be some tackles. I mean, Losing on Pene Sewell would be a bummer. Yeah. Um, but there is some consolation prizes at the position. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen so, Mayfield at Michigan. Yeah, uh, exactly. The North Dakota State left tackle. You know, we talked about Trey Lance. There's a guy who uh, we're hoping the um, – oh, what, what's their mascot now? They got uh, – their, their mascot got canceled, right, Hank? Oh, yeah. Really? I, I thought. I mean, I'm not sure. Oh, if no. it actually did they're just the canceled. bison. They're might... just the bison. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was thinking oh, North, North Dakota. North Dakota hockey. Were, yes, yes, yes. The Fighting the, Sioux are no longer the Fighting Sioux. You yes. can't mm. say that. You can't say that. <laughs> there you go. I'll, I'll add that to the swear jar for our parlay pot. Um, so, yeah, there's another. It, it is kind of a loaded tackle class, though after Penne Sewell, there's a lot of like sorting out to be done. But you're absolutely right. And the beauty is. Yes, you would love Penny Sewell, that set and forget left tackle for the next 12 years, but you don't have to be a snob. Some of these guys like Walker Little or Jalen Mayfield, if you feel like, eh, they're just right tackles, that's kind of all right with how the Broncos line has been playing thus far. Yeah, and, you know, I really like where that conversation went. I, I like that, you know, the first tackle to be named after Penny Sewell was Walker Little who's another guy who's opted out and another guy in the Pac-12 who we don't know if we're going to get to see, but now we can get excited about, you know, bringing up the edge rushers. That's not something I considered, but you know, I really like the idea of bringing Vaughn back for one more contract, a few more years and having like a three headed monster there. Uh, But where my mind went was the linebackers. I think it's finally time to get Vic Fangio an inside linebacker and maybe Maybe next week we can spend more time, maybe not more time, but just shift the conversation a little bit to, you know, if all of the value is equal and all of the depth is equal, how do you power rank the positions the Broncos should go after in the first round? You know, I wouldn't mind seeing a safety too. You know, as much as I want Justin Simmons to come back, there's a chance he's gone. And even if he does come back, 
it's not like Kareem Jackson's getting any younger. And this is a league where I think having a third really yeah. good safety, especially one who can grow into becoming your number two safety, a true starter, makes a lot of sense as well. Um, but let's move on. Let's, uh, let's jump into some of these games from last week. Um, yeah. And I'm curious who you guys thought the big standouts were of the week. I've got one standout, and it's from – I mean, if we're going to talk about Miami-Louisville, we could spend about 10, 15 minutes <laughs> on that game. Um, yep. But Derek King, I mean, I brought him up last week, mm-hmm. and we talked about him, and, you know, we put all the hype on Malik Cunningham, uh, the quarterback at Louisville. But Derek King was the better player. Um, not to oh, say yeah. that Malik Cunningham was bad, yeah. but Derek King just showed, you know, a different level of playmaking ability. Um, Really led his team. He was just super impressive, man. Outstanding off-platform. Outstanding. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I kind of had this debate with Ryan on on bets. Like, the dude looks like the real deal, but at a certain point, like, where do we draw the line on height on quarterbacks? Like, we are redefining. (laughs) Like, I've been doing this podcast. It feels like 20 years. I swear it's more like four. Um, But our standards for quarterback height in just those four years has just changed drastically to where, I mean, Derek King is like the new normal. He's five, nine. Like, where does it end? Is five, five, the cutoff is five, two. Are we going to have four foot quarterbacks soon enough? Um, Is my three foot tall daughter about to play quarterback in the NFL? Like seriously, where does it end? Um, I'm being insane right now, but truly, Derek King is making me reevaluate everything because once again, we're seeing another freak of nature. He was really impressive, and he's feeding uh, Brevin Jordan, man. He had a monster game. That was beautiful to watch. And Brevin Jordan was going to be my standout. I mean, you watch that guy, and it's just it, – he's a game changer. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, we've seen with the Broncos this season mm-hmm. what it's like having Noah Fant in, in the first half of games and what that can do for an offense. Brevin Jordan, I think, is very much on that level of just total playmaker. And it's just so much fun to watch with a guy like Derek King. Yeah, yeah, Brevin Jordan's the type of guy where it's like you see the ball in his hands and you just watch him run and that explosion and his get off. And you just know immediately, okay, this guy's going to be a problem, um, especially down the line. I mean, in, when you were talking about NFL, this guy – could really test and be, and I think he could have some really impressive results. Uh, we're yeah, talking man. combine stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, I, I'm, the one real criticism I guess I could have about his game last weekend was the hurdle didn't actually look like he jumped that <laughs> high, you know? So that's uh, maybe the biggest criticism of him. But, yeah, I mean, seven receptions, 120 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, for a tight end, that's just – it's insane. Yeah, two weeks in a row he's had big games, and – you know, you see these move tight ends and how they're being more and more effective in the NFL, not just Noah Fan in Denver. I think of John U. Smith and how Brevin Jordan could really benefit from being used, utilized like a John U. Smith. My standout, um, this is two weeks in a row, I'm really focused in on the linebackers. Zach McLeod, um, the number 53 for the Hurricanes, uh, played really well early on, setting the tone um, for the Canes. Uh, I, I thought he got kind of banged up, so he wasn't on the field as much later on in the game. But um, nine tackles, a sack, a tackle for a loss, moved well sideline to sideline, recovered a fumble as well, kind of all over the place. And then, um, you know, the big names on offense for Louisville did play well. 
their big big play wide receiver Tutu Atwell had a nice mm. game for himself and uh you know Hawkins the running back really looked yeah. looked nice um I can't get over how skinny his legs are for a running back mm. but still he um he he looked good he looked good he was as good as advertised and now like Miami's for real um they're they're gonna be fun they're one of these yeah. teams where maybe they're not loaded with prospects like the old Miamis, but they've got enough to really test those other teams with top prospects coming into town and really give them uh, put put some good tape on. So I'm 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 thankful for that at least. I think skinny legs might just be like one of the boxes that the Louisville coaches try to check when they're recruiting. <laughs> like like you right. just look at that whole team, right, and it's dude. all just like these super long like skinny so they're like shifty and they can change directions so quick like it makes them super fun to watch but again like you just watch Malik Cunningham go up against Derek King and you see the difference and I think that that to me as much as like I love watching Brevin Jordan and Tutu Atwell was incredible the story is like getting to watch Derek King go back and forth with a quarterback who I I thought could be on a similar tier as him you realize that there is a difference with Derek King and if he can keep this up throughout the season, I mean, again, the height is a problem, but he is a problem himself for defenses. Yeah. And I, I, I don't, it's like, oh, this is the part of the college football season where I feel like I watch a game and I watch a team and I'm like, oh, wow, I can't miss another game from this team. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I can't miss another Miami mm-hmm. game. And honestly, I still feel the same way about Louisville because I love the type of player that Louisville recruits and it makes them super fun. Um, but yeah, Derek King, I'm not aboard the hype train, but, uh, it might be kind of like last year where I was pounding the table for Jalen Hurts. This is what I love about this podcast. This is what I love about watching college football from a draft perspective and from a film perspective and all the kind of like different avenues we explore. Um, cause like four out of five of these type of conversations we have are kind of like fun conversations we can nerd out on one out of five though is usually something that will translate to the next level and in one way or the other change the way football is played it'll be a trend that is set like like quarterback height and stuff um and it's so fun being able to see it from afar from week two of this wacky college football season and see how it progresses from there and real quick on Malik Cunningham we like the big playability, that ball placement that was off, that accuracy that can be a little shaky, and that added pressure that Miami brought to make him mm-hmm. uncomfortable to kind of set the tone. You know, he wasn't able to freelance and, like, get out the pocket and do his stuff. He was forced to get out the pocket and get rid of the ball quickly. That really hurt his game, and uh, those deficiency are, are, are going to be the major question marks for him as a pro prospect. So. Yeah, I hate to compare him to Lamar, but, I mean, it's the obvious comparison just because, I mean, they look and play so similar and they're at the same school. Um, But that was really the kind of the difference between the two for me was how they reacted under pressure. Um, You remember Lamar under pressure. It was almost instinctive that, you know, you're chasing me. Like, like, I'm going to make you miss. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. he had that kind of mentality of the play's never over. Whereas Malik Cunningham doesn't really quite have that explosion um, he doesn't really have that ability to improvise like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just on the quarterbacks, uh, Cunningham and King uh, as a whole, 
I thought King was actually really impressive with his ball placement and accuracy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he nailed a seam yes. throw, uh, throw up the seam. Um, I think it was top of the second quarter or something for a touchdown. Uh, that was beautiful. He also hit a, a beautiful corner route on the move uh, mm-hmm. towards the end of the second quarter. Yeah, um, I remember that specifically. A beautiful. Yeah, dropping I mean, him in the bucket. True NFL throws that you're outlining here. Like, this Absolutely. is no joke the way he's played. Yep. And then, like, arm talent, too. I mean, these aren't balls that are just, like, fluttering out there. These things are on ropes, man. These are darts. Here, here. Um, so, just, I mean, and like I said, we gushed about Cunningham, but King is the real deal, and we should have gave him a lot more attention last week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's still three months of college football, but as of right now, where does King stack up among the quarterbacks? Just like I mean, the top quarterbacks in college football right now? Yeah. Just in, I guess, Yeah. Just who played. I mean, he'd easily be top five, maybe top three. I mean, really, well, what is... Don't you trust him more like the, the, than the Kellen Mons or the Caltrasks or the Jamie Newmans of the world? Sure. There's so many guys that have way more hype than Derrick King, but now with what we've seen from King, we trust him a lot more than a whole lot of quarterbacks right now in college football. That's saying a lot. And what a beauty to have a team in the ACC who might actually give Clemson like an, a real game for once. Well, and I think also with Derek King, the thing that's impressive about him, I mean, this is a new team for him. He transferred over here. You know, this isn't his third or fourth year uh, with these guys or in this system. Like he's jumping right in and he's making this impact, which I think is going to probably go a long way, especially through the draft process. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, any other thoughts on that game before we move along? One more. My guy Cameron Harris, the running back for Miami, mm. that guy's real. He is sick, man. Um, I saw a lot of burst, tough runner. Uh, I liked yeah. his vision too. You know, I could tell he was kind of reading the second level and setting him up on his runs. Uh, the big run he popped uh, towards the end of the game, I mean, that, that was just too easy for him. The linebacker sucked up and he just bounced it and he was gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, Dre, I know before we jumped on here, you were saying that you had just rewatched that uh, Syracuse Pittsburgh game. What'd you see? Man, two dope safeties. Honestly, we, we, we really screwed up. You know, you, uh, your last thought on Broncos options was safeties. Um, and how those should be in consideration. We should have segmented right into this Syracuse pick game. Um, two just awesome, awesome safeties in college football this year. Uh, Andre Cisco, who, um, you know, Jake outlined previewing this game, and then Paris Ford. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll give the ball to you because you did preview this game, Jake. What, what did you see out of these guys? Because I, I liked a lot of what I saw from both of them in a pretty nice game where the mm-hmm. Qs finally covered the spread. So I'm happy about that. So coming into you know previewing this game last week, I was really kind of focusing on Andre Sisco just because you know he had all the numbers with the picks and everything. And I talked about that, uh, that quote from uh, Pat Narduzzi about him. Mm-hmm. And when he compared him to Paris Ford, and that was really when I got in- introduced to Paris Ford was that quote, but man, did Paris Ford pop off the film in that game or what? He yeah. was everywhere, man, flying mm-hmm. around. 
making hits. Um, he had an insane diving interception. I don't know if that was a miscommunication with Syracuse on that play or if it was just an overthrow, but uh, he went and made a play, turned it into a turnover, yeah. gave his team the ball. Um, you know, uh, Andre Cisco is a bigger safety, so yes. he's got about, I don't know, 20, 25 pounds on him, and it's really apparent on the film, especially when you're comparing him drive after drive. Mm-hmm. But Paris Ford – how active he was. Um, I don't, this might just be defensive schemes too. This might right. not be right. Cisco's fault. Um, but Paris Ford was a lot more active. Yeah. Uh, he seemed a lot more versatile, played some in the slot as well. You could see him yeah. dropping down. So that's kind of where I stand on him. Um, I still want to see a lot from Cisco, but Paris Ford, uh, you know, stock up on him. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. you should say he had that interception. He also had an interception the game before. That's two in two games. Plus a tackle for loss, blitzing from the slot. Like, I, very versatile. And that's the kind of guy that I was talking about when I said I want the Broncos to go after a safety because those are the chess pieces in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, really, that fifth DB, that's what Paris Ford can be. can be that Jimmy Ward, even that Buddha Baker to some extent, that kind of playmaker in the secondary. Freelances a lot. So the scheme, he does benefit from the scheme. But, you know, when you're allowed to freelance a lot, your instincts better be on point or you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Boy, were his instincts on point. I think I saw one play where it was like, it was a draw. He took a bit of a bad angle. He got lucky a linebacker swooped him to tackle or it probably would have been a big play allowed by him. But aside from that, he did a good job as a blitzer creating pressure. He did a good job roaming the secondary in that nickel spot which is so huge. I mean, that's that's a Fanjo guy, a versatile guy who can play everywhere, can play close to the line of scrimmage, can play as a single high, can play as a nickelback, you know, uh, cover one-on-one, can play in a zone. Great instincts. The, the interception was out of this world on kind of a broken screen. He's backing up uh, and then sees the ball before the running back who's supposed to receive the screen even sees it and is able to dive and scoop it. A very tough play. Cisco instead he would benefit from a role like Paris Ford in that Pat Narduzzi defense because when he was used close to the line of scrimmage, he almost looks like a linebacker, Um, which for a a safety who, what did you say in the last episode? He's got like double digit interceptions in his career. Yeah, I think he's at 13 interceptions, which is the most among active players. Otherworldly. Um, and yet he's that good close to the line of scrimmage, that physical. Um, so, and you know, Pitt's offense is really disgusting. They have no big playability. So when he's playing as a single high, Cisco's just out of the play. He's like useless. Um, and he's probably allowing too much of a cushion. Uh, and he did have some bad plays on the one scoring touchdown that Syracuse did have kind of a soft zone underneath. Isn't reacting quickly. Paris Ford's instincts um, intrigue me more but both versatile, movable pieces um, with, uh, you know, the production speaks for itself on ball skills. So I think these are guys who are firmly in the conversation to be top 50 picks because they're what you're talking about, Hank. They're that versatile NFL fifth DB. They almost don't have a position, um, but they they can roam the field and they're going to be useful no matter what. All right. Uh, Any other thoughts on this game or do you want to move along? No, I'd move along. It's a shame that Pitt uh, just doesn't have so many of their upperclassmen on the D-line because the, even the youngsters they had, the freshmen and sophomores, really, really wrecked uh, the game for Syracuse. So that, that Pitt defense, as always, for Pat Narduzzi is no joke. All right. Uh, what do you want to talk about next then? 
Uh, just a couple more standouts for me. The ranked Raging Cajuns um, from Louisiana. Their uh, senior running back, Elijah Mitchell, yes. has been on a tear. Um, yes. no, no, not part of the skinny leg club. He's a uh, thick thighs, <laughs> thick butt. Uh, he'll run you over and he'll, he'll run by you. So they've been fun to watch, the Raging Cajuns. They are actually ranked, um, and he's making a name for themselves. Of course, they're ranked because they whooped. Iowa State and uh, Mitchell had less of an impact there, but um, interested to watch him as he moves forward. And then I did outline him going into the game uh, and really thought that BC's left tackle uh, played a really good game. And that's another uh, pick against the spread that I nailed. He was one of the top guards in all of college football last year. And this year in the move to left tackle, he is already looking good. Um, so shout out to uh, Zion Johnson there, who's a really, really a top talent for BC over there. Yeah, glad you mentioned Elijah Mitchell. He's one of my guys uh, from last week too that yeah. I was excited to see, and he delivered again. Uh, 16 carries, 164 uh, yards, and two tu- uh, two touchdowns. He, basically, he should have had three touchdowns. He scored the game-winning touchdown and got it called back, and they gave it to him again, and he just scored it again. Um, so he's, he's a fun guy to watch. Um, also, one more guy in another game. We finally got to see some Tylen Wallace. Um, he made some plays. I think he had like four catches for like 94 yards or something. Uh, he had a really weird play. I don't know if you guys watched any of this game or watched the highlights, but he got a – they allowed him apparently to – go out of bounds and come back in and make a play and they called it a catch um which was very interesting because i mean i know it's oklahoma state i know they line up wide um but you can't let the cornerback push you three four yards out of bounds um so that was something i mean he made the catch so i don't know maybe i'm just uh, nitpicking (laughs) here but it was just it was really odd because i saw that and i was waiting for it to get taken back and they were like no he got forced out he's allowed to make that and i don't think i've ever heard that really happened yeah Yeah. that seems pretty odd yeah and i didn't remember where you're going with that until you said that i was just happened to be on for that play i was like wait i thought that that was against the rules yeah it was so weird Mm -hmm. um uh, let's see anything else on these last week games are you ready to move on ready to move on brother yeah it was good though it was a nice little Um, appetizer it's really like college football snuck up on us and I enjoyed that more than I thought I would. Here's a fun game that maybe we should start playing every week. Um, so this week, there were uh, five games postponed. Uh, Houston Baylor, BYU Army, Charlotte, North Carolina, some big names. Which game that got postponed are you most disappointed that you didn't get to see? What a uh, sick game. Henry. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I, can, I can start. I, I can start. You know, BYU Army was what I'm really excited about. Watching a good triple option team go up against a, a just any other good team is always a lot of fun. But I'm going to go with North Carolina because I really want to see more Sam Howell. Um, yeah. I was kind of disappointed with him in the first week. I thought I would finally get a chance to watch him in the second week, maybe turn things around, and that just didn't happen. And so now I still just have that bad taste in my mouth for two weeks now. Tough. Tough life, man. Yeah. Um, I'll just go with the North Texas Houston game just because Houston's really gotten the short end of the stick. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this is their third or fourth game that's been postponed or canceled. Fifth. Um, it's their fifth. fifth? All oh five. They still haven't played a game. Sad. Yeah. Those that's poor just, kids. 
seriously, that's just – and I don't even know – is it even Houston? Who's testing positive here? Is it always their opponent? Because if it's always I, their I, opponent, that is extreme bad luck. Yeah, I think I think maybe the first one or two might have been Houston, but I think since it's been the opponent. Yeah, that mm. just sucks. Mm. It's terrible. Yeah, don't like that. Any thoughts, Trey? No, no thoughts. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the BYU <laughs> Army. BYU okay. Army okay, there we go. Um, well, let's jump in. Actually, before we get into week four, uh, we should give another shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. They make so much of what we do here at DNVR possible because they are the official betting partner of DNVR. Uh, week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the ex- excitement of week three, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. You can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? Don't worry if football isn't for you. DraftKings is giving all you MMA fans the exact same great offer to use this for, for this weekend's UFC 253. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Not going to lie, I've got a nice big check from DraftKings uh, that should be hitting the account here within the next Uh-oh. day or two. And there is just no better feeling in the world than that exact feeling. <laughs> Uh, because it's earned money. It's money that I earned myself. Um, you can download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up. Get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week three, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code DNVR during sign-up. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado-only eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Uh, Time to talk week three in college football. Um, Actually, no, week four, because there was – Yeah. We don't even need to do weeks this year because every conference is doing, like, different stuff. But uh, we did have one game last night, UAB South Alabama, 42-10. Middle Tennessee tonight against – UT San Antonio. Any thoughts on those, or should we just skip straight ahead to the weekend with teams that uh, matter? Well, the SEC is back. Let's get to the hits. And, okay. <laughs> SEC's back. What, what SEC game are you looking forward to, and why is it uh, Kentucky Auburn? Um, all right. I was going to say Mississippi it? State LSU, oh. but. Oh. Um, Okay. Look, multiple reasons with this Mississippi State LSU game. Uh, we'll start with LSU just because obviously defending national champs mm-hmm. and lost a lot of talent last year um, like so or this much year. Talent. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm just interested to see if they have more guys. I mean, I'm sure they do. It's LSU. Um, mm-hmm. Just in who pops in that game. Um, also, Mike Leach, uh, game one at Mississippi State with KJ yeah. Costello as his quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Sign me up. I'm 100% in. I want to see how that looks. Uh, Kylan Hill, also the running back. Yeah. Um, so, 
super, super hyped for this Mississippi State game. Yeah. Kit, yeah. Kit Hill, I mean, truly one of the special players in college football. I'm so excited to have him back. And, yeah, yep. you're right. It's going to be Leach in the SEC. I mean, that's must-watch TV right there. Um, yeah. With KJ Costello, which is I, – I th- I'm very happy that you brought up his name, Jake, because I think that this is the perfect fit for him. You know, and obviously, like, if Mike Leach is going out and picking out, out any quarterback he wants for his system, like, I, I think we're about to see the way that Oklahoma always brings in great quarterbacks. Like, they can get the transfers. I guess not always. Now they're not. But, but you know, with Leach being in the SEC, running the offense that he runs, the stigma of the air raid going away in draft circles I think we're going to see Mike Leach have success at Mississippi State. And I know that this isn't like a a great conversation to have to preview this week's game, but I do think that you kind of convinced me that this might be the game of the week in the SEC because (laughs) of just what all of the possibilities are. I mean, this could be like what he's always done in the Pac-12 where every game is 60s to 50s, or, or it could just be like a standard SEC game with his air raid not translating uh, now I'm getting too excited. Now I'm getting now, too excited. KJ Costello is a good quarterback. Now I'm no, he's terrible actually. Um, I like, I <laughs> incorrect, like, <laughs> wrong yeah, answer. I, like I said. Very well, at Media Day last year. You guys just made me incredibly <laughs> concerned for Kalen Hill. Like, oh wow, yeah, That's wow. each offense yeah. doesn't produce running backs. Man, this is awful. Oh no. Except yeah. that Max Borgie was Kalen so Hill. successful last year. Yeah, I, that's true. I think that that there, there's a path. There's a path, and I don't know if maybe this is going to be using no. Kalen Hill to. His if Kalen Hill is used like Max Borgie, he's a top five pick next year, guys. Yeah, like, <laughs> people are going to talk about him like they were Saquon. Um, that would be huge for his game. Yeah, I, I, I would love to see that because I really do love Kalen Hill. But yeah, now you guys just made me real concerned for. Uh, his future um, in this wacky season. But that's going to be a good one. Obviously, t- phenomenal wide receivers and Jamar Chase and Terrence Mitchell mm-hmm. – or Marshall, sorry, um, for LSU. And Tyler Shelvin was a stud uh, on the line for LSU last year. Derek Stingley was maybe the best cornerback yeah. in all of football as a true freshman for them. We get another um, two years to watch him and Jabril Cox, a talented senior linebacker to watch. Um, for the Tigers as well. I'll let you take Kentucky, Auburn, Hank. I will say Ole Miss, Florida is the most exciting. Um, and it's all yeah. on the Florida side. Florida is maybe the dark horse contender um, in all of college football right here. Kyle Trask is going to wow. be real interesting to watch. Kyle Pitts, uh, the stud, stud, stud tight end. Uh, for the Gators, I'm expecting huge things for him. I mean, they've just got talent all around. Love their coach. Um, Trayvon Grimes is a talented stud-wide receiver for them. Their offensive line has a ton of talent. They they lost, you know, some real good defensive linemen in Jabari Zuniga and uh, Greenwood, but they do bring back Zachary Carter, who has some real talent as a defensive end. He could really, his game could really take off this year. Um, Kalir Elam, 
um, in their secondary as another guy, you know, with a massive pedigree who could be really good. So I'm really excited to watch this um, Florida team against an Ole Miss team. You know, that's another new coach uh, who's Lane Kiffin, boy. Let's go. (laughs) So we'll see the Lane show, and I'm sure he'll have some he'll have some trickeration up his sleeve that'll piss off every other coach in the sec within these first couple weeks so i can't wait for that um while i try to assess all this talent on the gators yeah one more guy marco wilson the cornerback of florida um Mm -hmm. probably the next cornerback just in line of this factory just pumping out nfl guys uh he's someone that impressed me as a freshman uh didn't i think it was uh last year he had a cut short due to injury so it's been a while since we've seen him play but he's back uh really excited to see him Okay, Henry, why is Kentucky-Auburn so exciting? Uh, Bo Nix. I mean, it starts with Bo Nix. And <laughs> oh, honestly, nice. I think it's going to be a lot of fun Jeez. seeing him go up against Terry Wilson. I know it's like this is the second time that I've been really excited about a quarterback who can't be drafted this year. This We're show. having a bad quarterback intervention with you on the next episode. <laughs> I know. And this is what's I'm... got you excited as KJ Costello and Bo Nix? Like... <laughs> Well, you're on the wrong podcast, buddy. I I think the like niche crappy college quarterback podcast is uh, what we need to start. You and Justin, I think would that'd be a fun listen once a week. We we talked about Trevor Lawrence. We talked about the Miami guy and all these guys Mm -hmm. who are supposed to be like way up there. Okay, I I need to move on from KJ Casella, but there is more I want to say about KJ Casella. We have a full football season again about KJ Casella. You save us, people. If it weren't for our concussion, Stanford would have been dope last year. But um, Bonix, I mean, I want to see him build. But also on the other side, we can move on if you don't want to hear about that. Terry Wilson, um, which I know is another kind of under the radar type of guy. He missed most of last season, but he's a dual threat. And those are the kind of guys who I think can just pop now that there is a little bit more talent around him with the Wildcats. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, I really just like Bo Nix. I'll be totally honest. Like, after seeing what he did in that first game against Oregon and seeing how he builds around that, having a guy who can throw the ball around, is plus at Auburn where, you know, I feel like they're always in that – conversation they just need a quarterback and now they're in a situation where they have an experienced sophomore and this could be the makings of it it's tough to call it a dynasty when it's like three years you could have him two years if he opts out early but I do think that this could be the narrative in the SEC is like Auburn competing with Bama for the next couple years and the way the LSU did last year kind of out of nowhere you know, I look around and I'm not sure who exactly is the favorite to compete with Bama this year. And I think that if Bo Nix comes out and is able to beat up a Kentucky team that is in the top 25, but, you know, it's Kentucky, all yeah. of a sudden yes. that's the race. Yeah. Yeah, with LSU and some uncertainty at quarterback, you're right. Bama, uh, Auburn mm-hmm. really could with the continuity. They have a quarterback, and I mean – any game where Gus Malzahn's calling the plays, I'm tuned in yeah. for sure. Uh, and, yep. you know, Seth Williams, they haven't yes. had a stud wide receiver like him in a minute. Um, and this is going to be just a classic, like, uh, I mean, gosh, I, sorry, guys, but I, I just took a second to enjoy being able to sit down on a Saturday and watch elite trench play. 
because that's what Auburn, Kentucky is going to be. Credit to Kentucky and what they've been yep. able to build and what, uh, you know, our guy Kentucky UDFA has been telling us all summer. You know, Drake Jackson, one of the top centers in all of college football. Mm-hmm. Landon Young, the left tackle, really excited to watch him and what he can do against Auburn with Big Cat Bryant, uh, K.J. Britt, the linebacker. Uh, that front seven is going to be nasty, as it typically is, despite having lost Marlon Davidson and uh, Brown up front. So this is going to be a fun one, man. This is going to be And the running backs. Oh, sorry. Uh, but And the running backs with Kentucky. Like, you know, they've got a bunch of guys back there who are, like, good, but there's a potential, I think, like, four of the top five rushers coming back with Lynn Bowden be the, being the one who left. One of those guys could break out and all of a sudden you have like a threat, especially with the way that that offense is kind of built with the dual threat quarterback, with the emphasis on the running game, with the emphasis in the trenches. You know, I'm just kind of excited to finally get to watch SEC football. And I think that these are a couple of teams that I have questions about. And one of the big questions is, like you're saying, like what happens when Kentucky just lines up and tries to run? Can they just do it? And uh, on the other side, Bo Nix. Love Bo <laughs> Well, if we're talking about uh, iffy quarterbacks, um, I'm actually still kind of interested to see if Kellen Mond is able to make another jump. He made a huge jump freshman to sophomore year. Since then, he's kind of stalled out. This is a senior season, so, I mean, he's coming out, obviously. So he's someone that we're going to have to pay attention to. But um, I just, you know, that that big jump from freshman to sophomore year got me really excited. And then really just let down since then because he really hasn't progressed beyond that. So just hoping to see uh, if that progression is there at all. Also, just excited to watch Georgia. Georgia always has guys. Big so. time. Georgia's back seven is really exciting. Monty Rice, of all the guys that could interest the Broncos, definitely up there. Israel Mukuamu, the massive corner for South Carolina, I'm really excited to watch. And he goes against Trey Smith, um, the talented offensive guard for Tennessee, two of the top prospects in this upcoming class. Uh, yeah. It's just going to be great to have sec football back guys. It's just going to be yeah. grand. Um, we didn't even talk about Alabama. I know the witch <laughs> easily the most loaded team prospect wise of any yeah. uh, Jalen Waddle, Devonte Smith. I already mm-hmm. mentioned Patrick Sertain, Dylan Moses, like, come on, Alex Leatherwood, probably Leatherwood. Yeah. second best tackle prospect, left tackle prospect after, um, Penny Sewell, though we're splitting hairs, but he, he's right there in that conversation. So, yeah. Um, and what do they do? You know, the post-Tua will be really interesting over there. And Najee Harris, of course, in the backfield. I mean, just – Ryan prospect. Robinson also mm-hmm. in the backfield. Yep. Worth noting that Bam is going up against Missouri. Obviously not an SEC power by any means, um, but they're going to be without – um, at least 12 players because of a coronavirus outbreak. So if this wasn't going to be Bama just beating up the little man, I think that uh, we're, it, it will be now. Yep. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Oh, and we, on Kellen Mond, I wanted to say it was so long okay. since Kellen Mond was like draft relevant that back then I used to think that playing in a Jimbo Fisher offense really gave you an advantage as a draft prospect. Now it doesn't even matter anymore because we just yeah. draft air raid guys. So who cares? But uh, yeah, that's, that, that gives you a little perspective. Um, oh, we should probably touch on Georgia too. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Jake mentioned them, but Jamie Newman on off. Uh, you you know, we kind of touched on the defense, but Jamie Newman on offense, I'm excited to watch him. Yes. Um, and maybe that's enough. Um, I, I will game, say, uh, against Georgia, I'm really excited to see Rakeem Boyd. He of last chance, you fame, uh, star running back for Arkansas. I love those inside linebacker running back matchups I get. Monte Rice versus Rakeem Boyd is going to be one of the better ones that we'll get all season. So that's going to be a big test for that Georgia linebacker and a big test for one of the more underrated, exciting running backs in the country, I'd say. Yeah. Uh Moving on from the SEC, there is a pretty exciting ACC matchup. Uh, Louisville playing Pittsburgh. Uh, we talked about both those teams before. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if there's much we need to add there because we did already kind of cover all the big names there. But if you guys have any thoughts on this I one, mean, feel free to. Paris Ford balls out here. We're talking top. We're, you know, I said yeah. top 50 this show. Oh. We're talking top 30 next show. Like, okay, this guy's got some Xavier McKinney juice to him right now. Um, also, so you know but Hawkins Cunningham Atwell these dudes will really test Paris Ford if he's roaming the field there he makes lots of plays against this team yeah big 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 time for his stock uh could be a lot of points here Louisville's defense uh, didn't even talk about it but last week against Miami they were abysmal um that touchdown late in the game or there was just no one near I don't know, 30 40 yards around the guy um hopefully they get that figured out I do kind of like the Pittsburgh uh, quarterback, though, Kenny Pickett. He's a senior. Um, I noticed – I mean, he had some real noticeable zip on the balls uh, last week. Um, you know, just a guy that – you know, he's a pro-style system. He's going to be someone, you know, like a senior bowl guy or something. I mean, I'm, we're not talking maybe top 50, 100, maybe even 200 at this point. Yeah. But he's a quarterback that we can pay attention to. Um, I'd like to go to one more uh, ACC matchup, though, the Florida State-Miami oh, yeah. game. Oh, we already yeah. talked a lot about Miami. We took uh, a week off from Florida State last weekend. So we get to see Marvin Wilson, uh, Patrick – um, oh, gosh, it's not Patrick Sertan. Who's the other guy? Yeah, the, the – um, well, they have Samuels, right? Uh, yeah, Sante Samuel. That's who it is. Um, and then they also have that top safety. I'm scrolling through my mm -hmm. board. Bear with me. But watching him against Brevin Jordan is going to be really exciting. Um, yeah. Hamza Nasirdin. Um, yeah. You know, watching that FSU uh, safety going against one of the best tight ends in all the country is going to be really fun. And watching Marvin Wilson run down Derek King is going to be really fun. Watching your boy at running back play against that defensive line for the Seminoles is going to be really fun. This is a low-key, a great matchup for pro talents, even though these programs haven't been up to speed because, you know, it's Florida, man. It's FSU and Miami. It doesn't matter how bad they are. They're going to recruit pro dudes year in, year out just because of the stomping grounds they're able to get. So, yeah, that's a really, really good one. Yeah, we've and, mentioned uh, this. Sorry, uh, real quick. This Florida State offensive line the past two years has been terrible. Quincy Roche has a huge opportunity this week. Big time, big time. Uh, Seminoles will be without their coach, Mike Norville, because he has COVID. He's been quarantined away from the team for 10 days. Uh, He's a legend. There's another note on this game as well. Yep. Should have hired Deion Sanders, I say, Hank. <laughs> yep, because there's no way he would have gotten sick. Um, that's, that's right. <laughs> he, that, that's a responsible man if I've ever seen one. Primetime um, can outrun COVID, I've been told. Mm, probably by primetime. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, is there anything else this week that you guys want to get into? No. 
Yeah. No, I think we've got some. Uh, we've covered some good ones thus far. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Notre Dame plays Wake Forest. They're always, you know, uh, Notre Dame in the that, trenches on defense. That game They're a good was canceled. Oh darn. That, yep. yep, it says postponed. You're right. <laughs> hey, there it is for next week. That's the yeah. probably most disappointing one. Um, well, unless something else gets canceled. Uh, before we get into the question, I do think we do have a question. Uh, I want to tell you all about uh, Strava Craft Coffee. Nailed uh, it. Strava Craft is uh, the best CBD infused coffee that you can find. Um, and you can find it at the DNVR bar uh, because we have it on tap there. Uh, if you aren't going to the DNVR bar, then you can order it for yourself from the uh, Strava Craft website. Uh, and if you use the code DNVR20, you can get 20% off your first order. But here is the better deal. If you subscribe to a product from Strava, then you can pick how often you want to get that product. Uh, every two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, or eight weeks and subscribe. And here's the deal. You save 20% off of any product that you're subscribing to. So do it. I know that uh, there are a bunch of us here at DMVR who are big proponents of CBD and Strava Craft is one of the easiest ways to get CBD. Again, CBD is not psychoactive. Um, it uh, just helps with anxiety. It can help with uh, back pain and soreness and all sorts of different things, but you really don't know what it'll help with until you try it. Um, so Order some Strava Craft coffee from uh, the Strava Craft website and save 20% off of every order. It's super convenient. They can give it to you in K-cups and grounds and beans. Or if you just want to try it, you can use the code DMVR20 to save 20% off your first purchase from Strava Craft coffee. All right. Uh, Dre, do you have that question? Yeah, Mr. Bezos, who uh, was all over Legeria Sneed and Mooney. After the combine, Legereus Sneed with his second interception today and Mooney with his first touchdown today to go along with turning every Trubisky target into a completion over two games. Can I join you for late round gem segment this draft? Yeah, those were good calls, man. I mean, both those guys lit it up. Sneed has been huge for the Chiefs. Huge. His versatility, range, size, uh, ball skills have really shined. And Mooney... I did not see in that crowded – I mean, it's crazy how they use all these playmakers in Chicago. But Mooney's making it happen out there and uh, making Trubisky look good. So that's why we've got, we've got the best listeners as well, man. They're making outstanding calls that uh, other draft podcasts could only dream of, frankly. So there you go. So true. Uh, I think that's going to do it for today. If you guys have any questions – uh, we will answer those next week when we do this again. Um, so feel free to leave those on the post for today's show at ddmvr.com. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Bye.